college football. Tennessee football. The weekly coaches meeting starts now. This is Coach to Coach. Josh Heupel comes to Tennessee as an accomplished coach, an accomplished coordinator, a head coach at Central Florida. What would you suspect Dave McGinnis is the biggest jump for Heupel becoming Tennessee's head coach? Let's touch three areas right here for me. First of all, the recruiting pressure of the Southeastern Conference. It's completely different than anywhere else in the country. So that recruiting pressure is big, and it's different. He was successful where he was, but now he's in the Southeastern Conference, recruiting pressure. Let's start with that. Then the competition level of the Southeastern Conference on a weekly basis. That's going to jump up, too. Now, you're going to play some some teams, some lesser teams, and I use that term not not, not to be derogatory. But then in the Southeastern Conference, the competitive level week to week, completely different. And then the expectations on a national scale. I mean – the fan base that he's now, he's never experienced a fan base like this, and he's never experienced the national spotlight like he has had. So that's completely different. Those things, beyond the coaching aspect of it, those three things are immediately, in my mind, which any coach that's coming into a level, jumping up a level like he has, is going to face. The expectations is an interesting point, Doug, because you've seen in the last two Tennessee head coaches – Two head coaches who have dealt with that in much different ways. Yeah, and they didn't ha- handle it well, really. And that uh, Dave is exactly right. And there's really no way, even even if you're an assistant coach, as Coach Heupel has been, uh, as Jeremy Pruitt was in a top program, it's still not the same till you're the head football coach. Things are so very different on that. Now he's been head football coach, but it was at UCF. Uh, it's different. It's big time football. But it's not a big-time football fan base that has history and tradition there. He is at one of those places right now, and that's the University of Tennessee. He is the son of a football coach. Why are they most often viewed as the dream of coaches? I don't know if there's another profession, and I have been owned a business, been in the family business. Uh, I don't know that there's another profession like coaching where it is all-consuming for your whole family. When you are a coach, your whole family is really wrapped up into it. Your wife has to be, your your sons have to be, your daughters have to be. And I think, quite frankly, and he's a good example of this, you pretty much know I had two boys that grew up uh, as, as, a, as a football coach's son. They were around the players all the time. They were around the coaches. We had Sunday uh, dinner, you know, at the, at the university. So those young men know uh, when they grow up, what they want to be. And the ones that know they want to be that, they're very successful. And the others go into other fields. I would say more, a great deal more, Dave McGinnis, of sons of coaches do not go into the profession uh, because of they know exactly how time-consuming it is for a whole family. Now, that's such a good point. And, and it, the environmental comfort level, that they have, because that's what they grow up in. That's what they grow up in. That's been their life, and and they understand what it is. And he makes two great points. First point is is the fact that they understand what it is. So if they choose to go into it, they understand what it is. When when they choose a life partner, a wife, they're going to choose somebody that's going to understand it because it is. It, it it envelops everybody. And then if you don't choose to be in it, there are reasons why, but, but you know what it is. That is so, so important. I mean, that's big. And you hear so many sons of coaches talked about football smarts. That's, I guess I would bet that if you looked over the history of football that more coaches – 
sons become quarterbacks for that reason. If they're athletic, they certainly are uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, exactly what you said. It's also why quarterbacks who are coaches' sons, like Josh Heupel was, uh, they know the game much better simply because they grew up around it on this. And listen, you know, not I'm not saying this that you know all professions have a lot of pressure on them, but families don't have those pressures. If if you're the head of Amazon, you don't go into a uh, to to buy groceries or get, go get something and have somebody say, "Hey, tell your old man he needs to do this <laughs> or that." That's what happens when you're a football coach, especially at a major university. But there are some really successful sons of coaches that that are doing it right now. Uh, Mike Shanahan, son Kyle Shanahan, highly successful for the same reasons. Just uh, he grew up in it. He understood it. Knew that's what he wanted to do. Was a quarterback. Now is one of the best offensive minds in the league. How about in, in the collegiate game? Bobby Bowden, Terry Bowden, Tommy Bowden, two sons that were head coaches after a very successful, God rest his soul, Bobby Bowden. I mean, that Lou Holtz and Skip Holtz. I mean, you can just, I can go through a list of them. They grow up around it. They want to do it. And so once they get into it, they know what it is from the jump. Big advantage. Doug, how does playing at a school like Oklahoma, you think, influence him? I've got to know Coach Heupel a little bit. He hadn't been there all that long. Had two or three meetings. Very friendly guy. Of course, he from the same state or played in the same state that I grew up in. I've told many of my Tennessee friends this. Of all the universities that I've been around that honor their former players, that want them around, literally, I mean, want them around. Don't say they want them around. I think Oklahoma's the tops on that. I've got many, many friends who played there, and they are welcome back anytime. Right now, Josh Heupel has brought that to the University of Tennessee. He has called. I've had I've had several former players, guys that really, you know, he didn't even know who they they, they weren't special players, but he has gone out of his way to personally call many of those young men or older men, quite frankly, and say, "I want you up here. I want you in the program." And I truly believe, never ask him, but I truly believe because he saw at Oklahoma at the time as a player and then as an assistant coach what that does for a program. If you're going to build tradition, if you're going to build history, or if you're going to a program that has both of those and you want to expand it, your former players are the only way to do it. If you don't have them on board, you better be winning at a lot of ball games because you're not going to have much support. He, I think, is doing that at, at about as high level as he possibly can. You've spent time with him, so who is he? He is a quarterback who, uh, as, as you know, one of the things that, and Coach McGinnis and I have, have talked about this about other players. I don't think any player of any sport, maybe basketball has a few, that wears a chip on their shoulder like quarterbacks do. Look at Tom Brady. He's won six, uh, Super Bowls. He's been MVP. He's the greatest player in most people's minds. And what does he always talk about? He spent last season talking about the teams that didn't want him after he left. So they have that chip. He has that. He's smart. Uh, he is intelligent. He knows the offensive game extremely well. And, you know, if you know the offensive game extremely well, you know mostly what defense is like to do to you. So he, he is that type of coach. He is, uh, I, 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 you know, who knows what's going to happen to him. But he is bringing, and I think creating, we hear this word all the time, culture. He is creating a culture that he knows, that he's learned over the years. Being a head coach these past three years helps him a lot. He knows what he wants to do there. 
And I think it's just a matter of time of him getting the right people into that program. Based on what you know from his stops, Dave, what is his offense? Rhythm with speed of snaps when it's operating on all cylinders. Chain-moving throws. Staying ahead of the chains, forcing defenses into conflict situations. Also running the ball on downs where the defensive coordinators start to panic about route pressures. That's what it is. Because running the football is a part of this offense. People think it's just spinning it all around the lot. Running the football because we want to talk football on this show, which we always do. You get light boxes because defensive coordinators want to play coverage. You got to be able to run the ball to keep you to keep defenses in what we call conflict situations. That's what this thing is. If you want to put it in a nutshell, what about the other coaches on that staff offensively, Doug? That will help him. Two two different looks. On the staff, offensive, defense. The offensive staff, he knows almost every single one except Cody Burns. They all have worked with him. And that is so important because he is a head coach. He's going to call the plays. But he also has to spend a, amount of t- a certain amount of time on the defensive side also. You're the head coach. You just can't stay on one side. He's going to call the plays. But he brought with him a staff. Coach Halsey, who he brought in, who is the quarterback coach, again, the head football coach is going to be calling the plays, but Halsey was a quarterback at Oklahoma, didn't play much, was a quarterback there. He's been with uh, Coach Heupel at Oklahoma. He was with him at Missouri, and he was with him when, when Coach Heupel was the coordinator at Missouri, and he's been with him at UCF. So he knows that area extremely well. The offensive line coach, Glenn Ellerby, has been with him several years now, understands the offense too, and what Coach McGinnis was just talking about with this offense, because it is so fast-paced, your your offensive line has to perform, and they have different responsibilities than you would in, in a different style of offense. He's been with him on that. Alex Golish is his offensive coordinator. Very rare for an offensive coordinator to be a tight ends coach, but that's what he coaches. The reason is is because Ellerby and Halsey – have been with Coach Heupel. He kn- they know what he wants at those two positions. And so Golish brings that older, more experienced uh, coordinator who can also walk around a little bit. He's only coaching one position. Cody Burns is the receiver coach. He's a new coach in that area. He played at Auburn. He coached at Auburn for a while. And a young go-getter that will be developed. He's a younger coach that's coming along that, that Coach Heupel will bring along. Coach to Coach, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Visit FBHP.com. Making health coverage easy. Farm Bureau Health Plans. We all make plans. Big plans, little plans, plans to save, plans to walk the dog, plans for after work. Even plans for when our plans go wrong. It seems like we make plans for everything, except ourselves. At Farm Bureau Health Plans, you are the plan. Your health, your smile, your spring and your step, and your family. And that is the best plan of all. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Visit FBHP.com. Hey, Brad. It's over 90 degrees outside, so what's with the full-length patriotic tracksuit? I just got back from the summer games. You went to Tokyo? Oh, no. I went down to the corner store and bought some of the summer instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. So what's with the metal around your neck? Oh, that's what I've been using to scratch the tickets. Play the summer instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. 
Please play responsibly. And now, a moment of silence to remember our dear friend. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, man. Life can be uncomfortable. Your home doesn't have to be. With air conditioners, furnaces, and heat pumps installed by a Ring Pro partner, you can feel comfortable, even when you can't be comfortable. Ah, oh, jeez. Really? Trust the expert installation and service of your local Ream Pro partner. Visit ReamProPartnersTN.com to find one near you. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. There aren't any cops around. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I drink and drive all the time. If you put away some drinks, put away your keys. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Everyone talks about the speed of Josh Heupel's offense. But when you look back to last year's team, scoring points was a struggle. Coach to Coach continues, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. So then, Dave, how do you get the key to tempo, but also ringing up that scoreboard? Larry Stone, I love the word tempo. You used it. It's exactly what it is. Tempo is the key word here. And tempo only happens when you are ahead of the chains. And putting defenses into conflict situations, as we talked about, is, is extremely important. Okay, So your offense's success with tempo is your success on first down. Because if your success on first down is, then all of a sudden the chains and the and the conflict situations moves to your help offensively. That's where tempo comes in. Tempo is not just playing fast. Tempo is being successful with chain moving plays. People need to understand this. This is not an. This is not just take off and run a deep every snap. That's not this offense. Tempo comes when you're successfully staying ahead of the chains. And that's an area where this offense struggled mightily last year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, tempo is the new term. When Dave and I were coaching in, in college, it was flow and go. You wanted to keep it flowing along, just like kind of like a river flows along. That, that's the, the example of that. And this is the beauty of football. The, all, of, all, all of the tempo is started by the offense. Defense is reactive. Offense is, is acting. So that's why we see defenses. What's your job as a defense coordinator? To get them out of their tempo, to get them out of the flow and go, to slow the game down by several different ways. Maybe grabbing a hamstring every now and then when the old hamstring getting quite that, quite, you know, doesn't quite feel quite so well. But that is this offense. I was so surprised. I, I watched the, the first two scrimmages. I was amazed at how quickly they got to that line of scrimmage. The ball. I mean, they're lining up, Dave, and snapping the ball seven or eight seconds into the 40-second clock before you even get to the 30-second mark. And that's what they do, and, and they're going to do it every game, almost every play till they get the game underhand. The excitement among UT fans has been about these two quarterback transfers, both of them from big-time programs. Doug, break down Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. Very similar in a couple of areas. First off, they are mobile. And one of the things that Coach Heupel has mentioned several times to me in passing was with this particular team this particular year, he feels like he needs to have a mobile quarterback. Now, you can win with both. 
for those folks out there that say you can't win big time in college football without a mobile quarterback, I would simply point to Alabama last year and Mac Jones. Mac Jones couldn't outrun me. Uh, had a pretty good career and has had a pretty good start with the New England Patriots right now. These guys are both big. They're at least 6'4", maybe a little bit more. Uh, Milton is a good 240. He looks to me like a two-inch taller Cam Newton in college. They both have two years of eligibility left. They both have really strong arms. Both of them come uh, – Hooker came from Virginia Tech where he had a number of starts. Milton came from Michigan where he had a number of starts. Both big-time programs played in big-time games. Obviously, they left those programs for a reason. But I think both of them uh, have a strong opportunity right now to be the starter. Uh, and I would suspect right now that one of those two will be the starter in that first ball game. And Heupel has said he wants to go into the week one preparation knowing who that guy is. Do you think he knows now? This staff has a pretty good idea right now, that offensive staff, who that quarterback's going to be. And more importantly, Larry, the offensive players know who it's going to be. They watch tape. They listen to, to the coaches talk. They can see what's going on. And listen, there's reasons not to name a starting quarterback in this day and time with all the transfer oppor- oppor- opportunities there. But I'll be very surprised if it's not Milton uh, or Hooker. And that may change after the first game because Bowling Green's not very good. Matter of fact, Bowling Green is really bad. Maybe the worst team in Division One. They're certainly one of the top, the bottom, <laughs> the top of the bottom, I guess. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't put too much on who plays that. I think both of those guys are going to play that that first ball game. Dave, why is it important? Why why do coaches want to go into that week one knowing who the starter is, whether they announced it publicly or not? Well, because you want your the team needs to know. The team needs to know because your quarterback is your leader of the football team. He's the leader of the football team emotionally. He's the leader of the football team in the building. He's the leader of the football team in practice. That's why That's why they need to make a decision. You want and that team to settle want, down. This team settles down. That yeah. settles everybody else down. You saw the quarterback in the offense that he ran at Missouri, what he ran at Central Florida. What's important for the quarterback to be able to do? Let's, let's talk about two points. Need to be accurate needs to be accurate and he needs to be patient because they got to stay away from the low percentage throw. They got to be able to identify defenses at the line of scrimmage and when you play an up tempo offense, the quarterback has to be able to slow down and breathe and make no panic throws because as I said earlier, it's moving the chains in this offense and then being able to get the quick strike. Accurate and patient is really important. John Wooden had the best quote that I've ever heard for athletics, and I used it a bunch when I was talking to the positions that I was coaching. He told his basketball team, you got to play quick, but you can't be in a hurry. And if you let that sink in a little bit, you got to play quick. you got to play fast, but you can't get in a hurry. What happens when we get in a hurry at anything? We, we make mistakes. And you can do both, but that's kind of what they've been trained to do on that. You know, from a Tennessee pers- fan's perspective – you go back and look at what Josh Heupel did the, the the few years that he was at Missouri. I think he was there two years there. He led Missouri led the whole Southeastern Conference in total offense in those years. So he knows what he's doing. Now, does he have the players to do it right now? Well, that's what we're going to find out when we start playing big Southeastern Conference games. In the scrimmages, did you like the accuracy of both of those quarterbacks? A little hard to tell because they were going up against uh, – they, they were putting a lot of pressure in the second scrimmage. Uh, I would say they were average right now, but some of that is 
and 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 neither of the scrimmages that I watched did they have their true f- first units out there. You 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 mentioned you talked to Coach McGinnis a second ago about wanting to know who your quarterback is. When you know who your quarterback is, and you get him with the players that are going to be playing the offensive linemen, they kind of meld together as a unit. That doesn't happen in scrimmages very often. It doesn't happen in, in preseason games in, in, in pro football. Uh, but that's why you want to know who he is. And, and, again, more importantly, you want your offensive team to know who he is because how many times have we said this in the past? Rightly, wrongly, goodly, badly, if goodly's a word, you, you your quarterback is the leader of your offensive team. He's either a good leader or he's a bad leader, but he's the leader of the team. A new look group in the running back room. What do you like from them? Two, well, actually three bodies that, uh, uh, body types, uh, that, that, uh, is, is what you need in this offense. They got two, I think top ones right now. And when I say two, one or two, it's either going to be Tyron Evans, who's a junior college player coming out of junior college. Both these guys are about five, all three of these guys I'll be talking about are about in the 5'11, 205, 210 category, 215. Physical guys can run. Jabari Small is the other. I would say right now, both of, well, in this offense, you're going to play two, two running backs anyway. So it really doesn't make that different, any, any difference who it's going to start. Who's going to start on that? They got a big physical running back in D Beckwith, who will be the short yardage guy, extremely athletic. I, I would suspect that they'll move him around a little bit, maybe in in the passing situation on that. And then they got a young man, Jalen Wright, who is a freshman. He'll be a soaker. He'll have to kind of soak up this year. But you're going to see Small and Evans, or Evans and Small and Beckwith. Those are going to be the three horses in this game. Remember, they only play one. They only play one one running back, so it's not where they have a fullback, but those are going to be the three guys. All three of those guys, and right too, all three of those guys are good plant, Get put that foot in the ground and hit that hole, and they're also really good receivers, which you have to be in this offense. You have, you're going to get it. The ball gets checked down a lot in this offense to those backs, either on a little curl route over the middle or a flare route. That's where you go. That's where that quarterback talking about getting it out of his hands. That's where you go when when the guy, the primary receiver, is covered. I, I think it has been interesting that just about any time Josh Heupel talks about his offense, Dave, he emphasizes the fact that we're going to run it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, we're going to run that ball. That's what I say. This is a big part of this offense, and he absolutely has to be able to teach his quarterback to identify light boxes, regardless of down and distance, because people are going to pressure this offense. They're going to pressure it. And so he's going to have to be able to, once you get nuanced as a quarterback in this, you got to be able to, to help a little bit at the line of scrimmage, okay? It's so important to stay ahead of the chains, force defensive coordinators into coverage with light boxes and be able to take advantage of that when you get it. I talk about a light box. I'm talking about not with eight men up there. I'm talking about with seven or less up there because they're trying to get more people in coverage. It's a huge part of this offense. One of the beautiful things about this offense, if you're an offensive coach, and one of the things you don't like about it if you're a defensive coach, they just talked about package. Once that defensive package is in there, four four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five defensive backs, because you're going so fast, you know the personnel's in the game, so you don't have to be going that line of scrimmage seeing where you may have, may have to see what coverage they're going to be in, but you know the personnel that's in there. You know what they can do out of that personnel and what they can't do out of that personnel. And one of the things that Coach just mentioned there was, this is what all defensive coaches know. 
When you put those smaller players, smaller linebackers in there, smaller rush guys to get pressure in there for the passing game, and they line up and run it, now you've got a 300-pound offensive guard blocking a 210-pound linebacker. You don't win <laughs> many of those when you're the 210-pound linebacker. And you hope that you might catch somebody winded and out of breath, right? Run over them. That's all part of it. You like what you saw from Jabari Small last year. Liked him a lot because he, number one, and this is what's happened to these two first scrimmages. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. There has not been a single ball put on the ground by these by these uh, running backs. I've watched their running back coach, and I've watched Coach Heupel during, when he is in drills watching them. They are consistently talking about tucking that ball away high and tight, you know, protecting that ball. Number one, Small doesn't, he doesn't fumble. He is an all-around back. As I mentioned earlier, he'll put that foot in the ground on that zone play and bust it up in there. He has the speed to get outside. He's just a quality back, and he's very aware back. In the short number of carries that he had last year for Tennessee, you could see uh, from a running back perspective that he had the talent to be very, very good on that. And so far, what I've seen from this, uh, the Evans, the junior college player, he's, he has those same qualities. Coach to Coach. With Doug Matthews and Dave McGinnis. Insured by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Hardcore football talk. Get the ultimate mouth guard with affordable coverage from Delta Dental of Tennessee. Offering a large network of dentists and a variety of plans, you'll get better coverage than a defensive secondary. Learn more at DeltaDentalTN.com. We can see your smile, and we think you should be able to see it too. With Delta Dental of Tennessee and Delta Vision, we can improve your overall well-being by keeping your teeth and eyes healthy. Visit DeltaDentalTN.com to find an affordable plan. This past year has brought us all serious lifestyle adjustments. It's also introduced and reintroduced many to the great outdoors. Whether it be fishing, hunting, boating, or watching wildlife, many Tennesseans chose to social distance and spend time with family and friends outside. Many purchased a license to hunt or fish for the very first time. Get your ticket to outdoor adventure at GoOutdoorsTennessee.com. Inflationary increases in steel and shipping coupled with extended delivery times of 24 to 50 weeks, along with increased costs and global supply shortages, have caused problems in the forklift industry, but not at Forklift Systems. Making a huge investment in placing large stock orders just prior to the increases means a limited amount of forklift equipment at the old pricing for their customers. You can take advantage of Section 179, bonus depreciation tax deductions, and lower pricing at ForkliftSystems.com. Forklift Systems. When you get to be my age, you've seen just about everything. But the one thing I plan on never seeing is out-of-pocket expenses that Medicare doesn't pay for. And with Medicare supplement coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans, I'll never be out of network, so I can use the doctor I want to choose. So if you're turning 65 and have questions about Medicare supplement plans, dental, vision, or prescription drug coverage, talk to a representative today. Or visit us at fbhp.com. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Counting down to the opener against Bowling Green. Coach to Coach, presented by Delta Dental, moves on. We're talking offense this week, getting you ready for the offensive plan of Coach Josh Heupel. If there's been one consistent in an inconsistent balls football program of the last, oh, let's say, half decade, 
It has been the underperformance of the offensive line. Doug, Tennessee enters this year with new pieces on that front. They do. Uh, they have some very veteran players. This is going to be a pretty experienced group. Now, they lost uh, They lost Ray John Calvert in the early season. He was really one of their best players. And it's his fifth year. He, he, he could play both guard and tackle. But they have there now, and as you've heard us talk so many times in the past, if there's one position – that does not substitute very much. It's the only position. Well, quarterback's the other one. It's the offensive line. There have been many games when I was coaching uh, that the five offensive linemen started played every central, every single play on that. Tennessee is in good shape through about six and maybe seven players. They're in real good shape on five. Their two tackles are going to be Cade Mays and Darnell Wright. Cade Mays. Five-star player. He'll be a very high draft choice. He can play guard or tackle. They're going to have to play him at tackle because of the Calvert injury. But he's an outstanding guard, but he'll be tackle. Uh, be a tackle. Darnell Wright, this is his third year starting. Big, strong, excellent pass protector out there. Their two guards will be Jerome Carvin, who, again, is a fifth-year kid. Strong, physical, good run blocker. And Javante Spragans, who's a sophomore. We didn't see him a whole lot last year. Very talented and very quick. And then Cooper Mays, Cade Mays' younger brother, sophomore, will be the starting center there. They got three or four guys that they got a couple of other uh, linemen that will probably fill in at uh, at the tackle position. But if something happens inside at guard, Cade Mays will move in there, and probably Dane Davis, who'll be the first backup at tackle, will go out there. So they got they got about uh, six guys, maybe seven guys. And they have three guys in that group. Carvin's the backup center, so they got they can move some guys around in there. But so I, they are going to start this season with a solid, good group of offensive linemen. Got to stay healthy. Don't have a lot of depth there. And now the key, Dave, is to make those pieces a whole. A continuity and cohesion that's paramount in a fast-paced offense. It, it necessitates fast line calls and decisions, identifying fronts and blitzes, and to do that as a group. You need continuity to allow that to happen. So it's it's huge. They it has they got to stay healthy and they got to stay together. Doug, based on what you saw a year ago in the in the play and the technique from those offensive linemen, what do you think has been the coaching emphasis as this new staff has? Well, I don't like to talk about previous years, and neither does the guy sitting next to me right here. But I will talk about this. I thought our offensive line, our being the University of Tennessee has not been well coached for the last two or three years. And, just, and the things you said, very said, technique, listen, if there, every position has to have good technique. I don't care what the position is. But in the offensive line, if you don't have good technique, because you're going up against players who are better athletes than you are. If you were a better athlete than they were, you would be on the defensive side of the ball too. So you have to rely on your technique. Base, feet, balance, Hands, you know, eyes, as Coach McGinnis talks about so much. We didn't do any of those things last year. And we went through so many games last year where we had busts. You know, we've talked about the running backs. It don't make any difference how good the running back is if you get hit a yard back in, the, in the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's been stress. Again, this is an older group. It's a different style of protection. It's a different style of run game blocking. Uh, we'll see how it turns out, but I know this from just watching these scrims that they are certainly better coached from a technique standpoint. And that technique is so key, Dave, because among the offensive players, 
the offensive line is stressed most by this tempo that we're talking about. Look, you have to alleviate stress with tempo and execution. All right, the offenses across the country that operate like this are at their best when they are methodical, ahead of the chains, no panic. When you get behind the chains, it, that's that's when you start to panic. That's where you alleviate the stress is, again, going back to what I was talking about. You've got to make smart decisions. It's not the big play every time. It's the chain-moving plays. One of the things about this offense that has changed the way you coach is it used to be, I mean, the, 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 the phrase you would hear on every practice field in the games is get to the ball, run to the ball, get to the ball. That's not true anymore. Those offensive linemen, they, they don't go downfield looking to block except on a screenplay. What they're doing is they're making their block and then they're immediately going to where that ball is and getting lined up again. Same way on defense. One of the things that I've noticed so much is when, as defensive coordinators, you had 11 guys chasing that ball. Now, if you're the backside corner and that ball goes away, you don't go flying over there because – you're going to have to fly back over to line up for that next play because that's what that wide receiver is doing. So it's a, it's a different game from that standpoint. If there are unknowns and question marks at some of the positions offensively, Doug, there does seem to be a lot of talent at wide receiver for Tennessee. It is an area, another area I thought was really underutilized last year, certainly. But they have speed, they have experience, they have leadership on this. They'll be playing three wide receivers. I'll be very surprised if Vellis Jones Jr. isn't one of those. He is a leader on this team. He's a fifth-year kid. He came from Southern Cal last year. He's been the leader on this team. Jalen Wyatt is a superstar just ready to explode. And then Cedric Tillman, who had some really good games last year, uh, he'll be the third one on that. They got good depth there. They got Jimmy Callaway. Uh, they got the, a, a young man who transferred in, Javante Payton, who will be, I think, probably that fourth guy. They got six or seven guys, and that didn't include a young freshman and, and Walker Merrill, who are talented there. They have talent in this group. And you're going to see some big plays out of this group because what this coaching staff will do that did not happen last year, they're going to leave their playmakers out on the field. You know, those, those guys can't make plays if they're standing over there talking to you, watching the ball game. Jones. Hyatt, Tillman, uh, and, and Peyton in particular. And then some of these younger guys, Callaway, Holiday, they're coming along. But that, that is an area of least concern, believe me, on this whole football team. If you were the wide receivers coach, Doug, where would your emphasis have been with, with Jalen Hyatt in the offseason to get him better? He Two things with him. Number one, he was freshman last year. I think they moved him in too many places because he's a guy that can play all those places. But being able to play a position and knowing how to play a position is different. He's going to be a slot player in this offense. You'll probably see him going in motion some. He's going to be a guy that will be running crossing routes, getting into that middle. Uh, he, he has the ability. Now, the one little bugaboo that he has had, he has, he, he has had a uh, – well, there's times when he does not appear to concentrate on the ball. He drops too many passes. And uh, that's what they're really working on him now. But I'm going to be extremely surprised if Tennessee fans – we saw a little glimpses of it last year. Vanderbilt game at the end of the season. This guy is a big-time football player that can absolutely fly. Yeah, well, look, speed is a trait, Larry. Speed is a trait. But awareness and knowledge of coverage is a tool. 
And so without the tools, speed becomes an easy issue to deal with. If you're a one-trick pony at speed receiver, you're easy to cover. I've done it too many times. I mean, you just back up, okay? Nuanced route running with speed, that's what's deadly to defenses. The biggest fear a defensive secondary coach and coordinator has is, is when you have speed to blow by, you ha- you have to establish that deep speed. You have to make uh, – you have to, to – offensively, you have to make that defense play a vertical defense. If you let them sit in there on out routes and crossing routes – you got to be able to blow by them. That's the thing that, quite frankly, Alabama has done so well for so many years. They make that secondary play deep. They make you cover the whole field, but they make them play deep. Tennessee has the speed this year to do that. I'll be very surprised if we don't. Delivering 60 minutes of hardcore football talk. No hot takes. Hot takes. Coach to coach. Insured by Delta Dental. We all make plans. Big plans, little plans, plans to save, plans to walk the dog, plans for after work. Even plans for when our plans go wrong. It seems like we make plans for everything, except ourselves. At Farm Bureau Health Plans, you are the plan. Your health, your smile, your spring and your step, and your family. And that is the best plan of all. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Visit FBHP.com. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. There aren't any cops around. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I drink and drive all the time. If you put away some drinks, put away your keys. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Ow, that hurts. What is that? It must be the mosquitoes. Why are they swarming around us? Because you set up our tent next to a pond. I need something for these bites. How about the summer instant games from the Tennessee Lottery? If you win, maybe the next place we vacation won't be next to a pond. Hey, can you scratch this for me? Your back? No, the ticket. Play the summer instant games with chances to win up to $1 million. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Get the ultimate mouth guard with affordable coverage from Delta Dental of Tennessee. Offering a large network of dentists and a variety of plans, you'll get better coverage than a defensive secondary. Learn more at DeltaDentalTN.com. We can see your smile, and we think you should be able to see it too. With Delta Dental of Tennessee and Delta Vision, we can improve your overall well-being by keeping your teeth and eyes healthy. Visit DeltaDentalTN.com to find an... When you look at Tennessee's offensive stats from a year ago, knowing you have a new scheme in place, give me the area where you need to see improvement. Coach to Coach continues, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Dave, what is it? What's, what's the thing that really stands out to you from a year ago? Third down conversions. I mean, they, 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 they had no continuity on offense. It, it, was really, it was really segmented. And, and, and this offense also needs to be more efficient on first downs, and with that will come more explosive plays. They have speed. Uh, Coach Matthews has talked about their speed. They didn't have enough explosive plays last year, and you've got to have that in the Southeastern Conference to be able to compete with everybody else that does that. And you need them both run and pass-wise. But third-down conversions last year were not good. And how many of those, it seemed like, were 
eight yards, nine yards, ten plus yards. Well, any defensive coordinator tell you, you give me a third down and seven, you ain't going to pick up many of them. Uh, number one, you, you eliminate the run for the most part. Uh, so your defensive linemen know you're going to run it. Now, they could throw a screen pass in there, something like that, but those things can be read pretty easily if you're an experienced defense on that. Absolutely no question, no question about that. And that's the whole key. I mean, you have to, just like defensively, you have to, what's, what's, the, what's the mantra? You've got to get off the field. Flip it over on offense, you've got to stay on the field, and you don't do that. Uh, if you're getting behind the chains on first down, coach mentioned that a little earlier, and especially whatever the third down situation is, you got to be able to pick it up. Everybody has plays in their offense to do it. You got to be able to pick up those plays to keep those chains moving to stay out on the field. What is the role of the tight end in this offense? Very multiple. Uh, whenever I talk about the tight ends, I, I, I do it. They're tight ends and H backs, the old H back back off line, put in motion, things like that. These, that's what all these guys will be able to do. Princeton Fance, a fifth-year kid, he came back. He's already graduated. He is one of those guys that is a good on-the-line blocker, but he's also an agile player. You're going to see him getting the ball a lot on the little dump-off passes, little short crossing routes. Uh, Jacob Warren, taller, bigger. His father was a, a former player there. His father was an offensive lineman. He's tall. Uh, he doesn't have the speed that Fant does, but he's very active. And both these guys are extremely experienced. So you're going to see both of them out there. And you're also going to see him split out wide on the line as a y, X wide receiver. You're going to see him in the slot. You're going to see him move in on a tight wing. And so by the tackle, they're going to move him around a lot. They'll be the guy that runs the little trap play, you know, the misdirection trap play on that. Uh, two highly talented players for that position. Not great. Physical blockers going to knock people off the ball. Not guys that are going to blow by you, but guys that can catch the ball, can do something with it, can protect the ball, and can line up in a myriad of positions. With the check downs that they do, they can both have significant catches? Absolutely. I'd be very surprised if that position, I'm, I, I'm not going to individual by individual. Running backs and tight end position are going to catch a lot of balls this year because, again, Getting the ball, I've heard him stress this so much, get that quarterback, get it out of your hand, get it out of your hand, get it out of your hand. Well, if if everything's covered, if there's a lot of pressure, you give it to one of those running backs or you get it to the tight end. Their job is to catch it. Don't try to score. Catch it, get upfield, get me two, three, four, five yards, keep the chains moving, and that's what their goal is, and that is a huge part of this offense. They look at that somewhat like a running play. It's not. But particularly on the plays out wide, the little flares out of the backfield, it's a running play. You get those linebackers running, and that's what this, uh, this, that's what this offense is, is designed to do. We have talked in the past about the danger of this kind of offense is that you can put your defense in tough situations. So if you go three and out and it takes 32 seconds, then your defense is on its heels. Doug, you've got a defense that, quite frankly, has more question marks than this offense does. How does the coaching staff weigh that as not just approaching a single game, but looking at the season overall? How do we as a team have success? Well, first off, if Tennessee defensively this year will simply line up and play good, solid, aggressive football, don't give games away, you're going to win your share of ball games this year. Now, whatever that share might be depends on who you you know the, the opponents you're playing. That's what you have to do now. You have to make it tough on them 
to to from a defensive perspective, you have to make them tough that offense to score. Make them make them take fifteen plays to score. They can do it, and then take your chances. You coach those defensive backs and linebackers. Now you got a chance to get a big play. Go for it. We can live with that. You got a defensive lineman. Strip that ball on that quarterback. You don't have to hit him. Knock. Get that ball out of his hands. Get him out of there quick. That's what this game's all about from a defensive perspective. Now, insured by Farm Bureau Health Plans. This is Coach to Coach inside the X's and O's and strategy of your team. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. There aren't any cops around. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I drink and drive all the time. If you put away some drinks, put away your keys. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Get the ultimate mouth guard with affordable coverage from Delta Dental of Tennessee. Offering a large network of dentists and a variety of plans, you'll get better coverage than a defensive secondary. Learn more at DeltaDentalTN.com. We can see your smile, and we think you should be able to see it too. With Delta Dental of Tennessee and Delta Vision, we can improve your overall well-being by keeping your teeth and eyes healthy. Visit DeltaDentalTN.com to find an affordable plan. Inflationary increases in steel and shipping coupled with extended delivery times of 24 to 50 weeks, along with increased costs and global supply shortages, have caused problems in the forklift industry, but not at Forklift Systems. Making a huge investment in placing large stock orders just prior to the increases means a limited amount of forklift equipment at the old pricing for their customers. You can take advantage of Section 179, bonus depreciation tax deductions, and lower pricing at ForkliftSystems.com. Forklift Systems. We all make plans. Big plans, little plans, plans to save, plans to walk the dog, plans for after work. Even plans for when our plans go wrong. It seems like we make plans for everything, except ourselves. At Farm Bureau Health Plans, you are the plan. Your health, your smile, your spring and your step, and your family. And that is the best plan of all. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Visit FBHP. Lost in the college football changes of the last four weeks, the move to a 12-team playoff. Coach to Coach rolls ahead, presented by Delta Dental. Doug, in your mind, what ultimately led to the jump from four all the way to 12? This was uh, really almost exclusively a Southeastern Conference Greg Sankey move. Uh, quite honestly, uh, as I looked ahead, we knew this was going to be an expansion. I just assumed it was going to be either six teams or the very most eight teams. You know, they jumped eight spots. They went from four to 12 on it. And the reason I think is this. Here's what Greg Sankey knew was going to come. When you expand to six teams, all right, or if you expand to eight teams, one of those teams is going to be a group of five team. The other is probably going to be the conference champion from the five power conferences. So that's six of them. Notre Dame has a good year. They're going to be in. So that's seven of them. So it really doesn't make any any room for another Southeastern Conference team. If we went off last year's numbers and the way the season ended and and the way the college football playoff committee ranked them at the end of the year, 
If we went off those and had a 12-team playoff, the Southeastern Conference would have had four teams in that playoff. That's what Greg Sankey knows. He was the big push on this, crippled in, in one, one move. The conspiracy theorists, though, Dave, believe that the Oklahoma-Texas move played into Greg Sankey's thinking on this. Do you think so? No, I don't believe that. Because, look, this 12-team planning is in the making for two years. Two years. There's a Sports Illustrated article that's so detailed, it's, it's fabulous. We can't go through it all here. I would encourage people to read it. It gives you a great insight into a detailed account of the secret meetings that are in person and on Zoom. Two years ago, so I don't believe that at all. Those who have pushed toward 12 have said that too many schools are out of the running by November and that there's not enough to play for and get excited about. I haven't sensed that. Have you? Here, here Tony Barnhart did the research on this. There have been 28 spots since we've ended the 14 playoff, right? Uh, four per year. There's been 28 spots on that. 22 of those spots, all right, so 22 of the 28 have been taken up by the same five teams. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. So the reason the big push was because no matter what we've done, we got the same five teams in there. But is adding eight more teams going to change that those four are going to end up being the final four? Probably, well, probably not, but at least it gives other teams opportunities to get there. I was never a big proponent of this, and the reason I was not a big proponent of it is because I thought, and still believe a little bit, that it would dumb down, it would make less important the regular season. When you have a four-team playoff, and you got five Power Five conferences, somebody's going to get left out, and if you, you might lose one game, but if you don't win your conference championship, and you lose two games, you're not going to be in it. Now you're going to see, I would say, a good handful of two-win teams in this. So that's that's the other side of it. Uh, the, the one thing I will say, though, putting 12 teams in, you always have a chance if you're playing. You always have a chance. These other teams are better, but one time, a one-time shot, this is a one-time shot, so you always have a chance if you're playing. People point to March Madness. Football's a much different game than basketball. You would, if you took a 10 year period, more often the best college basketball team does not win March Madness. I love watching college basketball. I love watching March Madness. But let's just say this you can be a lesser team, but you can have a dude that can shoot three and can get hot. And all of a sudden, on that day, you're going to win that game. It's a completely different world. It's a completely different world. How does the, the bowl system fit into this? Well, to me, the bowl system, they're going to be in for some adjustments. I mean, they really are. They still have a place, but first of all, the media contracts and the money allocations, that's going to be something to watch for this. That's going to play a major role in in, in how they're serviced now. It's going to play a major role. Now, one thing we know we're going to see, the Rose Bowl is not going to be played on January 1st every year. Uh, Sugar Bowl probably won't. That's not as big a deal for the Sugar Bowl, but that is huge for the Rose Bowls. We all know the the Rose Bowl is much more than that game. It's the parade. It's everything. The pageantry goes along with that. That is certainly going to change. And quite frankly, where are we where are we now? Forty forty one bowls. I think uh, you're going to see many of those go away. Quite honestly, but listen, the bowls are there. There there is a misconception, I think, to many people about what bowls are there for. Let's take the Music City Bowl. 
Why was the Music City Bowl put in place? Larry, you were, you were in Nashville at that time. It was to bring people into the city. It, it wasn't about putting a great game on. Hopefully we get a good, great game. So these bowl sites, they want people to come to their communities. The Citrus Bowl, you know, the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl is a little bit higher bowl, certainly. That's what those bowls are there for. So if, if, those, if those cities are ready to pay the money, and if ESPN or Fox or whoever is willing to broadcast it, what does it hurt to have a team that's six and six going and playing again? It doesn't hurt anybody. I, I've heard people rail against it all the time. Who does it hurt? If downtown Nashville picks up a couple of million dollars or ten million or whatever, and uh, the city government makes a little money on it, and they want to do it, and they put on a great show, which they do, who does it hurt? Doesn't hurt anybody. Can I say this about bowl games too? And Coach Doug Matthews coached in a lot of bowl games. It gives you some extra practice with your younger players, too. That's a big part of this for coaches and for players. What about the complaint that that Team 12, Team 10, how many games they would have to play? Oh, I don't think that's a factor at all. Uh, number one, uh, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you go all the way through and you have to play a championship game in your conference, uh, and most of them will have a championship game, quite frankly, at that point, you know, you're going to be looking at 15, 16 games for almost every, for one team. Rosters in collegiate ball are big enough to handle this. Rosters are big enough to handle it. And here's the other thing that has come into being. You're going to have name, image, likeness benefits from more exposure. I mean, that's going to be part of it, too. So I see that as no problem. Coach to Coach, insured by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Visit FBHP.com, making health coverage easy. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us. Next week, we'll break down the Tennessee defense as preparations continue for Bowling Green. For Doug Matthews and Dave McGinnis, I'm Larry Stone.